Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. The fucking king is back, Billy. He's back, my man. He's back. Uh, <laughs> the what's going on? The fucking king is back. Not a lot. Just had me some breakfast for dinner. Poured myself a little uh, Hennessy, and I'm ready to go. I'm on a Hennessy kick. I don't know why, but that's it. So what's going on? Nothing, man. Getting over a cold. Good fights this past weekend. Good fights this weekend. We're, I, it feels all the way back, Parker. I feel like MMA is all the way back. We are definitely rolling. It is, uh, it's going to be a gigantic year, and I'm, I'm fucking pumped for it. So uh, let's dive in. Let's do it. Let's what do you go. want to talk about so, first? So let's start off with... Um, the main event, obviously, was a huge weekend for the UFC. You had Conor McGregor making his long-awaited return after, was it 15 months out of the octagon? And he was taking on a legend in the sport, Cowboy Cerrone, and it ended in 40 seconds. So what are your initial thoughts of it? So in the words of the immortal Stephen A. Smith, I don't think we Please don't do that. Thing <laughs> oh about my Connor. god, please don't do that. Uh, Parker, can we just talk about Cowboy's schedule leading up to this fight? Nobody can do that. In fact, nobody does do that. Gaethje and Tony, the two guys who stopped Cowboy before this fight, still have not fought since they fought Cowboy. In fact, no one except for the heavyweight who finished the fight in 90 seconds on the Gaethje Cowboy card has fought since Gaethje and Cowboy fought. Not one fighter from that card. This schedule he keeps is ridiculous, and no one can do that. Not one UFC fighter, not Khabib, not Tony, and certainly not Cowboy. I'm sorry. I think we learned a lot more about Cowboy this weekend than we did about Connor. Well, Cowboy's been doing that for 10 years. I mean, his his calendar year this year, he started off, I think it's 364 days. Starts off with Alexander Hernandez, gets a head kick knockout, then goes five rounds with Raging Ally Aquinta, um, wins a decision, and then goes Gaethje, which he gets knocked out. Then he goes... No, Tony. To- he had no, Tony, sorry. then Gaethje. So, Tony, which is... I mean, arguably one of the best 155ers in the world at the moment. So he goes two rounds with him, Dr. Stoppage, and then comes back, what, eight weeks later and gets knocked out by Gaethje? And then makes his return against Connor. I mean, who has fought a better, a better year or a, a, a more challenging year in MMA ever? No one. And that's yeah. my point is, of course, he got knocked out in 40 seconds. There's no way all his injuries from all these fights were completely healed. There's no way he took the proper time to recover. I love Cowboy Cerrone. I love that he challenged himself. I love that he's been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. But look, Parker, at 
the end of the day, this was not a guy who was prepared to fight Conor McGregor. He just wasn't. It doesn't make him a quitter. It doesn't make him soft or any of the things that were said about him after the fight. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, there is no one on earth who can keep up with that schedule. And anyone who tries is going to get knocked out exactly like he got knocked out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously the fight was quick. Um, you know, I was there live. I, there's nothing like a Conor McGregor fight to sure. see that live. Um, you know, from the walkouts, all the, all the celebrities were there literally like five minutes before Conor goes on, you just see celebrity after celebrity pouring in. I'm talking Tom Brady, Matthew McConaughey, Baker Mayfield, um, all of them. It was, it was crazy. And, and that arena was fucking packed, packed. So, yeah, I mean, the the buzz when Connor Cowboy, obviously, to me, has one of the best walkouts ever. I mean, the Kid Rock, Cowboy, I get super pumped every time I hear him walk out to that. But the McGregor Foggy Dew walkout was fucking crazy. And then when it switches over to Biggie, 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 I mean, that crowd fucking erupted. Everyone's dancing. That was it was a scene. It was pretty, pretty fucking cool. As for the fight, um, I've got a theory and we, we can talk about when we talk about the next matchups for Connor. Um, I think Connor was going out there to knock out Cowboy and beat Masvidal's fastest knockout record. It was the exact same thing. It would have been if he would have connected with that left, that would have been like a two to three second knockout. And I guarantee you the plan was to go in there and do that because they know Cowboy is traditionally a slow starter and and that would have just completely shocked the world, but I, I kind of think the original game plan was to go in there, beat Masvidal's record, and then call out Masvidal. And then I think when that didn't happen, although it was a, I mean, brilliant performance by Connor, I think he just kind of left his options open. So, what do you think about that? It's an interesting theory, certainly. I, my only thought is the reason I don't think that's the case is I feel like Connor is finally getting back to, I don't really care who's in front of me. I don't care who I'm going to call out, who I'm going to fight. Like I'm just training to become the best version of Connor McGregor. And it certainly looked that way um, Saturday night. So, you know, um, he I, has, you know, he has something laid out in his head though. I think he's conveying that, but I think he's got everything mapped out for this season. And we can talk about what we think are going to be the next matchups. But the actual fight, I mean, Connor looked phenomenal. He hit, he hit Cal, he threw 20 shots and landed 19, and every one of them was flush. I mean, the precision, the, the speed, the power. I, I think, you know, although it was 40 seconds, we saw that he does have power up there at 170. I don't know how that translates to, to an actual 170, you know, like an Usman or Covington or guys like that. But, I mean, he just looked crisp. I mean, phenomenal. He, he opens up with that giant left. He misses, then catches Cowboy with a knee, hits him with the three shoulders. And I went back and watched that fight. I mean, you can clearly hear on the second shoulder his, his nose just crunch. Just crunch and explode. And then after that, I mean, he's as calm as can be. Cowboy is rattled. He steps back, hits him with that left um, head kick. Rocks him and then lands another just clean left. It was it was beautiful to me. I don't I don't yeah. think you could, it could have went any better for Connor unless he landed that first left. 
Well, I, and I even think it's better that he didn't because if he lands that first left, then I think everybody's just saying Cowboys chin is gone and not giving Connor. I mean, I think they'll give Connor even less credit than he's getting right now. Um, yeah. I think the the to break the clinch and go right to the head kick was really masterful work. The ground and pound looked really scary. Um, he was really wailing on Cowboy, which was impressive. Um, I think he proved that. But he was he, he was precise with the ground and pound. He didn't oh, rush yeah. it. I mean, he picked his shots, and every one of those shots hit Cowboy. And I, I thought it was a great stoppage by Herb Dean. Some people said it it went a little long, but. I mean, Cowboys seemed to be fighting back, but he was getting hit by every single one of those shots. Yeah, I agree. I think it proved that Connor could still beat a top 15 guy really convincingly, and he can be humble in a buildup and not like get 100% in the guy's head and still go out there and, and do his work, which I think are two things that we haven't seen from Connor. I mean, being humble, we haven't really seen ever. And then going out there and beating a top 15 guy we have not seen in a while. So it was you, nice. you got to nice You got to think that. of Cowboy of more than a top 15 guy, though. He's perennially been top five for the rest, you know, for the last six or seven years at both weight classes. I mean, it's not like Cowboy is Alex Hernandez or, you know, Cowboy Oliveira or something like that. I mean, he's a guy that's beat and had close fights with, you know, former champions, top of the – top of the food chain at both both weight classes so i don't know i didn't i didn't look at it like it was you know we i said this originally i i think it was definitely the best fight for connor's return but it's not like he's coming back to some slouch i mean cowboy's a world-class fighter no i don't mean to, i don't mean to paint it yeah. that way yeah. um i just think there was kind of this idea that was floating around that Connor's gotten away from it and Connor can't really beat anybody that's training hard. And um, I think he proved, he proved on Saturday, like he is absolutely a top five fighter in the world. And I think there's, there's kind of no question about it now. Yeah. I mean, yes, I, I think he looked incredible in the 40 seconds. I wish it would have went around, you know, so we could see more, but I mean, he everything he the whole week he passed with flying colors. I mean, the the lead up was beautiful. The fight was beautiful. The mic. He was pretty humble on the mic. He had, you know, a spot here and there of kind of old Connor, but for the most part, he was super respectful. So I don't know. I, I was really impressed with how Connor just played the whole weekend. Because the reality is, this was a giant. Uh, I mean, he had to save face. He had a lot of fuck-ups the last couple of years. There's a lot of pressure on him to not fuck this up, you know, to make make sure everything goes smooth, you know, look good to the public. And the biggest thing was to get a win. He hasn't got a win in MMA in three years, and he's back in the win column. So, yeah, I mean, for the Conor McGregor, for the UFC, that was best-case scenario what happened last weekend, I think. I'd agree with you. I think. Um... I think definitely in the main event, and we can we can get into some of the other stuff later, but definitely the main event was a huge win for Connor, huge win for the UFC, and huge win for some of these contenders at lightweight and welterweight where the red panty night might be coming their way very soon. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's jump into that. 
Uh, how about we go, let's say two to three fights, or let's lay out what we think Connor's next two to three fights are going to be. I, like I said, going into this week, I mean, I was a hundred percent, hundred percent. He was going to go in there, get a knockout, get on the mic and call out George Masvidal. Um, that didn't happen. And then, you know, in the aftermath, it really seems like, you know, Connor's not too interested in that fight right away. George wants to fight Usman. And Dana is absolutely against that fight. So what are your thoughts on the direction Connor's going to go in his next fight and then the fight after that? To be fair, Parker, uh, he did not directly call out George Masvidal, but he did say any of these mouthy fools can get it, including the fool in the bleeding house coat, which that, I believe yeah. I believe that's George Masvidal in the Versace robe sitting cage side. but. Regardless, the same, the same, same the same one, uh, the same one Connor wore in the lead up to the McGregor fight, the Mayweather fight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. when he did the weird arm exercises in the gym. Um, yeah. But for me, I, I, so here's here's my next three fights I want to see Connor have. Okay. Number one, very next fight, book it as soon as possible. Nate Diaz trilogy. It's time. I think it's the perfect fight. I think yeah. it's the perfect step up from this this cowboy fight. Um, I think it's another one where it's winnable for Connor, but it'll be huge money for the UFC, huge money for Nate and Connor. Everybody wants to see it. Um, I think he'll get a, a lot more cage time just because of Nate's chin. So that's that's my first one. The second one I think is up for debate. If if Jorge is gonna fight uh, Usman for the welterweight title and he wins, I think Connor would fight Masvidal if he beats Nate. If Correct. Usman so he'd be going wins, after the title, yeah. Right. If Usman wins, I think he fights for the lightweight title, winner of Tony Khabib. Okay. And okay. then the third fight I would want to see him take if he was able to win both of those is one of three things. Either Connor goes and chases a second title. So if he wins welterweight, he goes and gets lightweight. If he wins lightweight, he goes and gets welterweight. Or he does the thing that people say that he never does, which is actually defend a title bout. And that could be your Gaethje fight at lightweight, or that could be a welterweight, who knows. And then, or he could go do these boxing exhibitions with Manny Pacquiao or Floyd. Because at that point, if Connor is a champ again and he's beaten Nate in the trilogy and he can really go do whatever he wants. I think we're right back to where he was right before the Mayweather fight in terms of popularity. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page. I thought about this a lot more today and like I said, I was leaning I thought it was either George Masvidal, you know, next or Justin Gaethje and um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to agree with you. I think they're going to start pushing the narrative of the Nate trilogy. Um, just because, I mean, that's another one of these. It's not a title, but that that's a pay-per-view headliner. Connor versus Nate, for sure. Um, and then that brings Nate back into the fold. Because right now, you know, I think the two guys that are kind of out in the cold are Justin Gaethje and Nate Diaz. You know, I don't think anyone's clamoring for that the rematch with George Masvidal and Nate. And then... You know, Justin Gaethje is just kind of in a holding pattern 
if he can't get a fight with Connor. So I, I really don't see any other fights for him. So for Connor, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think I, I think the reports were out today that and I, I didn't read all the way through the article, but they, they think the Connor vs. Cowboy was around 2 million pay-per-views on ESPN. I don't buy that number if we're being honest, but you don't. We but can you think it did over? A, it probably did over a million, right? Yeah, I would say probably. Um, you know, yeah. if we think the the BMF fight did six hundred thousand, um, I think that two million number is based off of the Meltzer pay per view estimate, which number one was always overestimated to begin with, yeah. and then two, uh, he's basically saying like the factors that he looks at in his model to predict pay-per-view buys in the old uh, uh, model of buying pay-per-views where you could buy them through your cable provider. He said it would trend over 2 million on that old model, but where you have ESPN plus and you have the double right. paywall, you're, you're right. cutting your pay-per-view buys at least in half. If not. Well, my point is there. I mean, Nate is a bigger fight than Cowboy. So say Cowboy did, you know, one, one five, I think, Nate Diaz is doing definitely more than that. And that's a non-title fight, can headline a pay-per-view. Um, maybe that's your inter- international fight week fight, Nate Diaz versus Connor. Um, and then, yeah, I just think that's the most logical and and it's the most winnable fight, honestly. Between George Masvidal and Justin Gaethje, I think it's that next step up. And Connor talked about it in the post-interview. He said he's still got some things to work at, and I, I think that's in reference to fighting Khabib or George Masvidal or Usman or Tony Ferguson. So I think this is still a little bit of a step up from Cowboy. It's going to be someone that, you know, they have a history. It's going to sell, no problem. Um, and like you said, Nate's going to test him. I mean, Nate's going to get out of there in one round and – I don't. I mean, Nate. If Nate could be Connor, he's right back in the fold to be a gigantic star. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think on, for the UFC, that's the best move because it's the safest move for Connor, and it's still you know just as big of a fight probably as Masvidal Connor right now. And then you can get Masvidal to fight Usman, so that takes care of your one seventy belt. You've got Tony and Khabib coming up in April. Um, so yeah, if you they go that route, really the only person that gets the fucking is Justin Gaethje, and I, I think if they do go that route, he'll end up fighting Dustin Poirier in a rematch. But um, I'm I'm totally on board with that. I, I think the timeline, everything works out. If the USC can work a deal with Nate, that's the fight to make. That's a gigantic fight. So that's the second fight of Connor's season. The third one, I, I agree. Actually, I agree with you. I think if if Jorge is able to get past um, Usman, he goes for that 170 belt. And then the Khabib versus Tony thing, to me, that's a toss-up right now. I think a lot of people are kind of disrespecting Tony and just thinking it's going to be a walk in the park for Khabib. It's not. I mean, the bottom line, anyone Tony, Tony fights is not coming out of there unscathed. They're going to get cut up. They're going to be bloody. They're going to have some sort of suspension. So between that and Khabib has Ramadan coming up, and I don't think he'll be available till September or August or September, maybe. So, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I think it, if, if I was the UFC, I would pray that that Masvidal can go in there and beat Usman because 
I mean, if you get Connor versus Nate, then Connor versus Masvidal, and then beginning of 2021, you get Connor for the lightweight title against Tony or Khabib. I mean, holy shit. The kind of business they're going to generate is going to be unbelievable. So I, I think that would be huge. And then I, I said it last week, I, I know he's going to take another boxing fight, whether it be with Manny Pacquiao or with Floyd Mayweather. There's just too much money there. Win or lose, it does nothing to tarnish his, his resume and MMA. It's just a, it's a win-win for everyone. Everyone gets paid. And I, I, I have a feeling in my gut that Dana White's going to figure out some sort of way to co-promote that with Zufa, Bo- Zufa Boxing and launches Zufa Boxing. So what bigger splash could you get than the biggest star in MMA, Conor McGregor, versus the biggest star in boxing, Floyd Mayweather? I mean, I, I, that's the best way you could start a boxing organization, I think. So, yeah, I think we're on the same page there. That's I laid out four fights. So, um, Nate, then hopefully Jorge, then the 155 title, then a boxing match. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think, um, you know, if any of this goes wrong, I think we could see that boxing match earlier um, where I think, you know, Connor, Connor will absolutely take the Floyd or Manny fight just for the payday. And yeah. I would not be surprised if that, um, if we get a title fight with Connor in it at the end of the year, I mean, uh, pending the, uh, the stadium being ready, I think it, we could see that in the new Allegiant stadium in Las Vegas, the new Raiders stadium. So yeah. I think he's got a lot of options if he keeps winning fights, but I, I agree with you that Nate is the, the logical step up from here. Well, and then everyone kind of sleeps on how big of a star Nate Diaz is. I mean, he's fucking huge. He he may be or have as much star power right now coming off a loss as George Masvidal. He's just, I mean, he does good business, and him with Connor's a great mix. I think him and Connor have mutual respect, and I, I think Connor would have a similar lead-up. I don't think it's going to get nasty. I think if he went to fight uh, Masvidal or Gaethje right away, you could see a little more of the old Connor coming out, you know, more shit-talking, more back-and-forth. But I think him and Nate have a history and they have mutual respect. And I, I think it would actually be pretty civil in the lead up. So and I think Connor needs another, you know, another fight like that just to keep, you know, getting, you know, as a PR move to just kind of start clearing his name of all the negative shit that's happened the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I'm on board with that. Um, that led me into the next question. Um, and we kind of already covered this, but. Do you think we will see that just crazy brash Connor again? Or do you think he's going to be more of a changed man and kind of keep the same attitude he did in the buildup to Cowboy? I kind of agree with you that it's very opponent dependent. I think if you yeah. saw, you know, Khabib or Gaethje where like Ali Abdelaziz is going to be involved. We know how Connor feels about him. Um, I think Masvidal could probably get pretty testy between the two of them. Um, Nate, I actually think I, I'm not 100% convinced that it would be respectful. I'm kind of 50-50 as whether or not it will turn ugly. Um, just because I think Nate will come in there with the I don't give a fuck attitude. And then Connor will make some comment about how he made Nate, he built Nate, blah, 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 blah. And like that'll set off Nate. And so I could see something like that happening. But um, I also think if if he ends up fighting 
you know, someone like Manny Pacquiao, like I think that buildup would be very, very tame. Um, yeah. And, and so I think it's very opponent dependent, but it's clear mm. that Connor is kind of this evolved uh, form of himself. Um, he's no longer this, you know, mid twenties, you know, young, brash, fiery guy. He's, he's kind of picking his spots. And um, I think you're seeing that not just uh, in the cage, but also outside of it. Well, I, my thing is, you know, he's 30 now and I don't think he has to act like that anymore. He's got himself to the top. He's the biggest draw in MMA. I mean, it's probably a lot less stress on him not to have to go out there and do all the crazy shit and, you know, make predictions on his own fight. So I don't know. I I would like to see, it was refreshing to get this Connor, a super respectful, just seemed like he was there all business really just wanted to get in there, fight, get a win and then continue on with this season. So yeah, I agree. Um, All right, let's move on to Cowboy. So Cowboy, he's coming off of, Dr. Stoppage with Tony Ferguson, uh, knockout with Gaethje, and then another TKO from McGregor. Um, I saw today he got a six-month suspension. That's that's probably a blessing for Cowboy. He needs to take a break and just kind of regroup and figure out what he's going to do next. Um, yeah, I, I want to see him. I know it's not, it's not great to talk about what you want to see a fighter do next right after he got knocked out. I... I I want to see him take the time off. I want to see him get healthy. I want to spend see him spend time with his family and figure out what he wants to do. But if that guy wants to fight again, I think Anthony Pettis is the perfect fight. I think I, yeah, they're both. I agree. They're veterans. They have big names. Uh, they could do it at 155 or 170. They're about the same size. I think it's a. Fa- they both have fan friendly styles. So uh, that's the fight I want to see for Cowboys. It's him versus Anthony Pettis, you know, in a fight night, either in Milwaukee, which is Pettis's hometown, or right. Denver, Cowboys hometown, and just, you know, have have these two veterans kind of uh, you know, break the, one of them will break their own losing streak and uh and figure it out from there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean I'd like to see him take some time off. I mean, the guy I think he's fought a, a minimum of four fights the last four or five years. This 2019 he had five fights and he's taking a lot of damage he's getting older i would like to see him i I hope he made good money off this connor fight you know i hope he made four or five to ten million dollars and he's not in the spot where he has to go in there you know four to five times a year till he's 40 um but yeah i I love that fight I, i like um cowboy versus showtime probably at 170 i I don't see why any of these veteran guys would want to cut back to 155 if they don't have to. I would kind of use this Connor versus Cowboy model. And you could see, you know, I could see him fighting maybe Wonder Boy, maybe Showtime Pettis, maybe Robbie Lawler in kind of a veteran fight. You know, they just fought a couple of years ago. But people like that, I just, I think this is going to kind of be the end of Cowboy's run at the title. I just, at either weight class, I just don't think it's going to happen ever again. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him fight, you know, the Matt Browns of the world, people like that. Uh, just vet, veteran fights, but guys that still want to get in there and, you know, not these killers that are in the top one through five at both weight classes. So, yeah, for Cowboy, I mean, no stock, 
lost in Cowboy. Cowboy's going to Cowboy. You know, he's been doing this forever. It was never about wins and losses with Cowboy. Yeah, yeah. It was never, ever about even, you know, making a run at the title. He just wants to get in there and fight. And I I think he's going to be sick about this result because he didn't didn't even get an opportunity to, you know, do anything. I think Connor just overwhelmed him. And, yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to be the end of the run for Cowboy, you know, in the top five and making runs at the title. And I think it's going to be the start of a gigantic 2020 for Connor. So um, what's next here? Um... Let's run through, just want to run through the rest of the card and talk about some of the highlights. Sure. Um, so for me, I thought there were, there were three, three people who came out really ahead at the end of this card and, and three people who kind of didn't come out so ahead, kind of lost the night for me. Um, uh-huh. So I'll, I'll walk through my three winners first. Um, Diego Fajera. Um, Guy beats Anthony Pettis, first guy to to submit Anthony Pettis via tap out. Um, obviously, Justin or Dustin Poirier beat him with the uh, body triangle, but that was a doctor stoppage, not an actual tap out. Um, yeah, I think that guy's he's guys, only got two losses, right? Fajera. Yeah. Um, he's got a few losses, but he's like I think he's won five or six in a row. He hasn't lost since he he moved to Fortis MMA here in Dallas. Um, and, you know, I'd like to see him fight the winner of Paul Felder against Dan Hooker. I think that guy is uh, poised for, for one of these top 10 matchups, and I think that one looks great to me. Yeah, he's got two losses. Uh, Benil Dariush, he lost a decision back in 2014, and then the KO to Dustin Poirier in 2015. Since then, he's been on a roll. Um, yeah, I mean, Anthony Pettis had nothing for him. Nothing. I mean, he dominated every position when that fight hit the ground. He just controlled Anthony Pettis. And I, I think for Showtime, he's he's getting older. He's had a lot of fights, and he's just one of those guys that's kind of stuck in between weight classes. I just don't think he can has figured it out where, where he's a best fit. So, yeah, um, he Diego Fajero was my number one standout of the night, too. I mean, to go in there and get a win against a legend like Showtime Pettis – um, that's going to skyrocket him. So I agree with that one. Uh, number two, Roxanne Modafferi. I, yeah. uh, I know you were heartbroken to see your girl Macy Barber lose, but, uh, I, I should have bet know. the fucking house on Roxanna. I would have been partying in Vegas. She was an 850 point dog. Yeah. She, uh, you know, they keep doing this with her where, you know, they tried to do it with Antonina Shevchenko too, where they toss her like the young prospect and she just kind of goes in there and handles her business. And this, this is the first time I've watched the Roxanne fight and her striking looks smooth. Her, she's obviously a good grappler. Um, you know, she's just kind of one of these veteran, veteran women who you, you just can't sleep on. Well, and she's a pioneer of women's MMA. They had a stat up. I don't know if they said it at the fight or I saw it on Twitter, but her she debuted in MMA when when uh, Barbara was five years old. <laughs> That's fucking insane. So I mean, absolutely wild. Yeah, uh, she was. I mean, she was one of the biggest winners. Obviously, um, I, I'd have to say Macy Barber. When we get to losers, she's up there in losers. I mean, that was. Probably the absolute worst outcome she could have she could have wished. I mean, it was 
terrible. But um, all right, who's your next one? So my third winner on the night, Brian Boom Kelleher. Um, yeah. Guy who, at the beginning of the day, was on the fight pass prelims, was right. probably on his last legs in terms of being a UFC fighter. Um, his opponent was, you know, big athletic guy for the weight class who was saying that, uh, you know, one day they're going to talk about how Conor McGregor fought on his card. Um, yeah. So talking a big game coming in and Kelleher comes in and submits him in the second round. Um, well, that Osborne guy awesome. opened up so hot. I mean, he flew across the thing and tried to take off Kelleher's fucking head. And Kelleher, to his credit, I mean, stayed calm, had a a gigantic, like, thunderous takedown, and then just absolutely... I mean, sliced right through him on the ground. So, yeah, I, I heard him in the interviews. That, for him, was a, I mean, that was a must win. I think he was on, was he on a losing streak? And he had been out for maybe a two-fight losing streak, and he had been out all of last year. Streak. Yeah. yeah. So, um, wow. yeah, no, he, he, was, he was one of the biggest winners of the night. Obviously, the biggest winner of the night was Conor McGregor. But sure. those, are, those are three runner, runners up there. Um Losers, I, I agree with you. I had um, kind of 1A, 1B, Holly Holm is 1A. I mean, she went out there and just had – I mean, you called it last week. You said that was going to be a snooze fest, and it was. It was, I mean, 95% of that fight, the entire crowd was booing them. And then you got Dana after the fight is just abusing that referee for not separating them and making them fight. Um, yeah, Holly Holm did nothing to – even, I mean, she, she, I don't think she'll ever fight a title fight again. Just, I, I don't know. I think she's that girl that can, you know, fight the four to tens, but I don't think she's got anything in the tank at, you know, any of those weight classes, um, 35 or 45 for those girls to, to ever be a title holder again. Um, so yeah, she did nothing. I mean, that was just kind of a snooze fest. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think what was telling for me is when you have Connor fight, kind of all the casuals come out and start to buy the buy the card, and people who don't really follow MMA and they're talking about it at the water cooler and everything. And I just know when I walked into work on Monday morning, the first thing people wanted to talk about was Connor, and the second thing people wanted to talk about was how much the Holly Holm fight sucked. Because so like, I mean, outside of Showtime Pettis, she's the only recognizable name on that main card. And so that was not a a good look. No, no, it's not. And yeah, I I don't know. I I think Holly Holmes going to go down as a one hit wonder. I think she had the one beautiful moment against Rhonda. And then since then, she's been a middle of the road fighter, I think. Um, So, yeah, I, I thought she did nothing to improve her stock. And then for Macy Barber, I mean, literally probably the worst night she could have had tears her ACL, you know, within the first 20 seconds and then just gets, I mean, destroyed on the ground, cut up, you know, bleeding all over the place and just really had nothing for Roxana. So I, I had those two as kind of 1A, 1B. And then um, I, I agree with you on the the Nasrat Hasparas. I was super high on him too. And he just came out there. I, I don't know what his game plan was. He went out there like he was just, going to walk right through Drew Dober, just through caution to the wind and goes in there and just throwing haymakers and seemed like he was rushing everything. And he just got caught. 
And that one definitely, I thought the ref could have stopped that a little earlier. He took a couple, three, four unnecessary shots. But yeah, that was a guy that you and I were very high on last week. And, you know, he's someone that is flying through the rankings and then he hits a road bump with Drew Dober there. Yeah, it almost reminded me of some of of the Aaron Pico knockouts where he just kind of got too brash and fell fell in love too much with the power in his hands and and started going for knockouts constantly and, you know, just ran against the guy who was ready for him. And, uh, you know, hats off to Drew Dober. Great win for for Drew. And, you know, I'm hoping that maybe Drew Dober gets back on track here. But um, Hawk Prost, I thought, was was a sure thing heading into that night. He just got smoked. That was just not a good showing by him. Yeah. I mean, him and Macy Barber, I mean, they're both kind of on the same trajectory, young, young, young fighters with a shitload of potential. And that's what happens. That's, that's why I love this sport. You just never fucking know. You never know. Um, So yeah, he got caught. And then who is your third loser on the night? So I actually thought the UFC matchmakers were kind of the losers on the night because I get the idea of like Connor is going to sell this card by himself against the cameraman and it just doesn't matter. It's going to do pay-per-view buys regardless. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you put like some fun prospects or some guys are going to be a wild post-fight interview or something on the, uh, on the, the card. Like, I mean, Holly Holm, hasn't had an exciting fight in a long time. You put her at the top of the card. You have 42-year-old Alexi Olenek, who's like out there doing his thing, but he's kind of a, a guy for the hardcores. I mean, if you think about the Khabib Connor fight, like you had Derek Lewis on there. You had Tony Ferguson against Anthony Pettis, which was a war. You had Dominic Reyes against OSP, which was a wild fight. Like, I, I just think they kind of missed their opportunity to get a lot of eyeballs on you know, prospects and kind of exciting fighters that most people haven't really heard of. I I think it was just put together in a rush and they just didn't have the time. You got, you know, everyone's coming off the holidays and it was basically like, Hey, who's available to fight? Uh, Let's throw it together. And that was it. You had potential, you know, you have the, you had Yusuf on there, Andre Feely, uh, Macy Barber, um, Hasperas, but I mean, really the only one that shined in that was Yusuf coming out of a you know pretty hard-fought fight with Andre Feely. Uh, besides that, they struck out, I mean, pretty much everywhere. So, but, I mean, the reality is the ultimate goal was achieved. Connor's back. You know, shit's going to get crazy at 155 and 170. So, yeah, I mean, being there live, the fights overall, there, there were some decent fights, but... Yeah, I mean, you would think for a Connor card, I would anticipate the next Connor card is going to be gigantic and they're going to put a lot of names on it. So, um, yeah, anything else about last weekend's fights? No, that's, I think we kind of hit all of it. But um, like you said, I think the main goal for the UFC was achieved. And, you know, as a, a fan of the sport, it's exciting to have Connor back in it because. It really does drive the interest from from casual sports fans to come watch MMA, which is ultimately how you get more people into this sport, which, uh, I, you know, I'm very thankful that we have Connor back for that reason. Yeah. And the overall vibe of of the night, it was it just felt like there was a lot of casual fans there. It was just like 
hey, Connor's fighting. Let's get a ticket. That I was really disappointed with the Irish traveling. It was just like almost non-existent. And, you know, I think a lot of the Irish are still not back on the Connor train. And I think they will be, you know, with a Nate Diaz win or a George Masvidal win. But it was it was a packed crowd. It was just a weird crowd is what I'll say. I mean, it was. I don't know. It seemed like a very vague, just like Vegas casual crowd. And the same thing with the after party. The after party was, I mean, there was barely any Irish at the after party. It was a bunch of meatheads on steroids and cocaine. So I, I don't know. It was very, it was a strange feel, but I think Connor, he, he made huge strides to save face. And I think he's going to get that old fandom back if he can, you know, stay fighting like this and not get too crazy in his personal life. So he says he's back in the gym today, I believe. So we'll see if he's actually back in the gym and what's next. But I, I think it's going to be nothing but big fights for the rest of 2020 for Connor. Um, moving on. You want to talk about the UFC card next or Bellator first? Let's do UFC first. Okay. I'll let you dive into this because to be honest, I've looked at this card once. Sure. Um UFC rally this weekend, uh, live from North Carolina. Of course, the uh, the UFC schedule keeps rolling. Um, for me, there's there's really three fights of interest on this card, right? Um, the main event is interesting. Curtis Blades against Junior Dos Santos. Um, two top five guys at heavyweight, which is, you know, there's nothing better than high-level heavyweight MMA. Um, the second one is the co-main event. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos against uh, Michael Chiesa. So now, now who is J- who is JDS booked against that he had to pull out? He was booked against. Um, he had a fight. It was like, was um, who was it? Okay, so he was scheduled to fight Francis. That got canceled, and then he was scheduled to fight Volkov, and that got canceled as well. So I think in the last one he had a staff infection or something. He but the I mean, Francis fight got rescheduled, so he eventually did fight Francis. Oh, okay, he lost. Yeah, he got knocked yeah. out, starched by Francis. But before then, I mean, he was on a pretty good streak. He he beat Blagoy Ivanov. He beat Taito Labasa, who was an up and coming heavyweight at the time. He beat Black Beast in. I think I was actually there for that one. He he knocked out the Black Beast. In Kansas. It was yeah. in Kansas. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, that's a that's definitely an interesting fight. Um, yeah, so they got that, and then who else they have? Uh, Dos Anjos against Chiesa is the mm-hmm. other one, which um, I think that's interesting too. Like Chiesa looks like a like one seventy is his weight class. He's a great grappler. Um, I think Colby kind of put the blueprint out on how to beat RDA if you're a really right. good grappler. Um, right. cause you saw Usman do the exact same thing that Colby did. Um, but then the flip side of that is like RDA, I think is a way better striker than Kiesa. And I don't think Kiesa is as good a striker as Usman or Colby. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if he could just kind of put the Muay Thai on him like he did to Robbie Lawler and just attack the body, attack the body, attack the body, and then kind of win a lopsided decision or maybe even get a finish. Um, so I think I think that'll be an interesting fight as well. 
Um, then the third one, I think, is kind of under the radar, but uh, certainly at least one guy who I think is is kind of destined for top ten things is Arnold Allen, who I think is a really, really underrated prospect out of England, is right. going up against Nick Lentz. He was supposed to fight Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett is injured, but I think Arnold Allen, like, I've seen Nick Lentz get stopped quite a few times now. I think Arnold Allen could get something for the highlight reel here and uh, mm-hmm. and really start the hype train towards getting some marquee matchups at 145. Yeah, what? where is he sitting? He's like 15 or something like that in the world right now? Yeah, he's in that 10 to 15 range. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a good shot against another veteran guy. But, yeah, I, I haven't – I've seen Arnold Allen fight once, I think once or twice, and – Dude's definitely got talent. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting fight. Um, besides that, I mean, there's not, not much Brady on here. Week. Oh, this, so Brady this is the card that um, Frankie and Corey Sanhagen were booked on. Yeah, so this is like, you can almost tell that this is missing a marquee matchup. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely interested in the, in the main event and the co-main event. So, um all right, let's do some picks for this. What do you got? Sure. So I got Blades by TKO in round three. I think he's able to keep ju- take Junior down, and I think okay. he finishes him with ground and pound in the third. Okay. I have RDA by unanimous decision. I think he's able to kind of fight off the grappling exchanges, win some of the scrambles, and uh, I think he'll get the better of the striking against Kiesa. And then I got Allen winning uh, KO in round one. I think... Uh, oh. I think Arnold Allen is, is primed to knock out Nick Lentz. Okay, I'll go Curtis Blades, second round, KO, ground and pound. Um, Chiesa. I'm going to go Chiesa by submission. Third round. Maybe it's a back and forth fight. Chiesa catches him in some sort of submission. And then, yeah, I agree. I, I think Arnold Allen will get a knockout. So, yeah, not a tremendous card there. Um, but we got a good one in Bellator. So let's let's jump into that. That's that's a fucking stat card. Um, I think this is a really good card, like a genuinely really good MMA card, regardless of organization. This is better than the Conor McGregor card and the Raleigh card combined, I think. Yes. All right. Um, let's jump in. So let me pull this card up real quick. Bellator. Well, at the top you got. Uh, Julia Budd taking on Chris Cyborg and Chris Cyborg's debut in Bellator, which I, I think if Cyborg can get a win here, she's she's going to run Bellator for a couple years till she's ready to retire, and she's going to make a lot of good money too. Bellator. Yeah, I just don't think that Julia Budd is a walkover. I think you know Julia Budd hasn't lost since 2011. Her yeah. only losses are Ronda Rousey and Amanda Nunez in her first full year of professional fighting. She beat Gina Carano in a Muay Thai bout in like 2005. She's 10 and 2 in Muay Thai. Her only losses are her pro debut and Jermaine Durandini in Muay Thai. So she's only ever lost to like great, great people. And she does have three 145 pound title defenses in what I would argue is the deepest 145 pound women's division. Uh, it's much deeper than the UFC's. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll be interested to see how Cyborg returns. You know, she, she hasn't fought since getting knocked out by, by Amanda, has she? 
she beat Felicia Spencer pretty handily, but I think Julia Budd is a lot better than Felicia Spencer. Okay, so that that's your main event. That's the featherweight world title. Um, then we've got DC Darian Caldwell taking on Adam Borix in the featherweight. This is what the quarterfinal now. What are your thoughts on that this fight? Is that's the a quarterfinal. Yeah, I, I so, was. I thought Adam Borix was kind of the dark horse to win this. You know, I've seen him. I've seen him in his last three or four fights fight, and that that dude always seems a seems a to find the knockout somehow he's 14 and 0 now you got dc's 14 and 3 yeah i I don't know i I, i'm high on adam borgs and you probably know a lot more about dc so what do you think so borgs is a hard knocks 365 guy so henry hooft so he trains with like kamaro usman and michael chandler and Mm -hmm. that whole crew of guys um my first note here is there's Masvidal KO potential here because Borix loves the flying knee. He has multiple flying knee knockouts, and Caldwell is a wrestler. So I could see if Caldwell goes and shoots in, Borix is gonna is gonna jump up and hit him in the face with that knee and and knock him out. That's um, what he fi- that's what he finished Aaron Pico with, right? And he finished the guy before Aaron Pico with that knee as well. So. Um, yeah, he loves that knee. Uh, my my thing about Caldwell is Caldwell is really, really good at the most boring fight style in the game, which is just take the guy down, drag him to the middle of the mat, and kind of hold him there and not really mm-hmm. do any damage. He doesn't really do ground and pound. He just kind of like, it's more like lay and pray style. Right. Um, he's a really good wrestler, All-American from NC State. Um, but Borks fought Aaron Pico and, and knocked him out. And like, it only took one shot. It wasn't like, like Pico was getting big takedowns, but then Borks would just get up and get his shots in. So, um, yeah, and Borks has I, sneak. I, I mean, he has really fight. sneaky power. The first time I saw him fight, I mean, it's like his knockouts come out of nowhere. So yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I think this could be a scene for, Adam Borks to just make a gigantic name. And that's what I love about these Grand Prix is you can get guys that two years ago, I would have never been able to tell you about Adam Borks or see any of his fights. And they get a, they get to showcase these guys on a big stage. So yeah, I'm going to go with, I think Borks going to get a knockout here and, and roll on. He was my dark horse after he knocked out Aaron, Aaron Pico. Um, so that's what I'm going to, I'm going to roll with Adam Borks on that one. Um, the next one that I, I think could be your fight of the night. Um, I love both these guys. Um, Corrales taking on Juan Archuleta. Yeah, Henry Corrales against Juan Archuleta. So Archuleta is coming off the uh, the loss to Patricio Pitbull for the for the belt, and uh, Corrales is coming off the loss um, in the first round of the uh, featherweight tournament. Was he against? It wasn't uh, Borix that he fought, was it? Um, let me see. I know he knocked out Aaron Pico. No, he lost to DC. Oh, Darren so he Caldwell. lost to Caldwell. That's right. Yeah. And it was like yeah. a really boring fight. Yeah, um, I think he just took him down and held him down. But he had that crazy knockout against Aaron Pico where Aaron Pico hurt him and tried to go in for the kill. And then he caught him with that gigantic, I think it was a left hook. But I remember watching yeah. that live and... Yeah, that guy's tough. I mean, he's a guy that's he's been around. He's fought all of the Bellator, you know, top fighters, 
Daniel Strauss, uh, one of the Pitbulls, Patricio Pitbull, Emmanuel uh, Sanchez, Georgie. I can never say this guy's name, but he's a, a big Bellator guy. Yeah. Um, and then Aaron Pico. So, I mean, he's a, he's a tough guy. Um, what are you thinking here? Uh, I just think Archuleta's movement on the feet is so good, and he's kind of going to be able to to dance around Corrales a little bit. I think um, I I'm going to take Archuleta here. I think he I think he's uh going to get a KO in round three. I think his his movement's too good. I I think he just doesn't really Corrales will will kind of win one lose one kind of mm-hmm. thing, and he's lost to some guys who I don't think are as good as Archuleta. So. Um, I'm going to do a little MMA math here, even though I know we're not supposed to do that, but, uh, and, and say Archuleta takes this. And if he, if Archuleta wins, I would love to see him fight for the vacant 135 title. Um, mm-hmm. cause he can make 135 and he's that good in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, he trains with TJ Dillashaw and he's got that same kind of style. He kind of fights like TJ a little bit. Um, so yeah, I agree. I, I think he's going to have enough footwork, enough movement. His striking is unpredictable. He kind of has that weird st- striking style. And then he's got superpower. I mean, Juan Archuleta will throw some fucking bombs at you. So I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it'll be a little back and forth in the maybe first one to two rounds. And then I think you're going to get a late second early third rock uh, knockout by Juan Archuleta. Um, all right. Sir, Sergio Pettis and Kurt, one of the best nicknames in MMA, Curtis, courteous Millen, Millender making it their De- uh, Bellator debuts. What do you think about that? Um, two guys that I think can really make noise in Bellator. I think this is, it's actually, I know Curtis got cut from the UFC, but I actually think it's a blessing for him that he's going to end up in Bellator. Cause I think, He'll get a lot more shine there. Um, and what is he? Does he fight at one seventy or one eighty five? One seventy. Okay. Um. So Pettis nine and five record in the UFC wins over Brandon Moreno and Joe Benavidez. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, comes from the the great camp. You know, the Rufus Sport camp with his brother. Um. And. Uh, you know, I want to see him get through this one. I think a lot of the times these UFC guys have trouble when they come over to Bellator for whatever reason. Um, and I want to see him get through this one. And then I think there's interesting matchups for him. I think he could go against Caldwell. He could go against Archuleta, James Gallagher, Ricky Bandejas, Patrick mm-hmm. Mix. Um, I, I would even like to see them do a bantamweight Grand Prix with, uh, with Pettis in it next year. If, uh, if all these guys are interested, especially with Horiguchi being out this long. So um, I, I just I'm excited to see Sergio Pettis at 135 in Bellator because I think he'll get a lot more shine. What do you what do you? Yeah, it, well, it, I agree. I, I think it's a chance for him to get out, you know, of the UFC and be more than Showtime Pettis's little brother, you know, get in there, spread his wings. And like you say, I mean, that 135 division's definitely got a lot of talent, but I think he's someone that can drop right in there and, and get after it. So, um, yeah, no, I, I like the move. Uh, courteous, courteous Millinder. I saw him fight. I think he fought on that Dallas card, the, the Darren Till versus uh, Woodley card. I believe so. Um, yeah, I, really I think he fought there. Striker. Yeah, he's um, super athletic. Is he the one that had a vicious head kick knockout? Or is that the other guy I'm thinking of? 
I think you, no, I think that's, I believe that's Curtis. I think he, he knocked out, um, he had a, oh my a, God, cra- why am I a crazy, crazy head kick knockout, I think in Dallas, but he's a guy, I mean, he's super, super athletic. I think that's a great add to that 170 division, which is obviously you had the departure of Rory, but you've still got MVP, um, Larkin, uh, Lima, you know, Paul Daly, guys like that. So I think that's a fun division over there in Bellator with him. Um, that, no, the the knockout you're thinking of with Millinder is he had a vicious knee um, that knocked out Tiago Alves. There you go. Okay. I knew I had a, a vicious knockout by him and then them announcing his name. Curtis, Curtis Millinder. I'll never forget that one. Um, but he's only, he's only lost to... Easy Dos Santos and Bilal Muhammad, who are like fringe top 15 guys in the UFC. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's like a great depth guy for Bellator, especially in that welterweight division. Like, I think Millinder is is a great ad. And if he could get through this one, um, you know, I would love to see him fight like a Korishkov or a Paul Daly, someone who's going to stand and bang with him and, and mm-hmm. really get to show off that striking because he's such a smooth striker. Yeah, and then Aaron Pico's back. So Aaron Pico's been out a while. I think since I saw him fight last year in San Jose. Um, yeah, he's been out a while. He's had, you know, he's a guy with a shitload of hype behind him. At, at one point, he was being called the LeBron James of MMA. And ever since then, he's, you know, he had a couple good vicious knockout wins, and then he got knocked out twice. By Corrales and um, who's the other guy that's fighting Adam on this card? Adam, Adam Borch with the knee, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on Aaron Pico making his return? So, I saw Aaron Pico's professional debut against uh, Zach Freeman at mm-hmm. Bellator MSG, and uh, I was actually sitting right behind Zach Freeman's sister at the fight. Oh, so. When uh, when Freeman hit the guillotine to beat Aaron Pico in Pico's pro debut, it was like pandemonium in our section. But um, my thing with Pico is he has world-class boxing and he has world-class wrestling, and we've never once seen him put it together um, where he could like use both at once kind of thing and mm-hmm. actually like mix the martial arts. But at the same time, this is the first fight he'll have where he has actually a full camp at Jackson Wink. So yeah. I want to see what he's learned with, with Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn and if that can kind of improve him as a fighter because the tools are all there. It's just a question of can he put it together? Can he get the fight IQ together? Because obviously uh, when you've been knocked out twice in you know seven professional fights, your chin is not your strong point. And where where was he before? I, I know he trained with Freddie Roach a little bit on the boxing. And then I think he he did strength and conditioning with that Sam Calvia. But did, was he at an actual gym before or was he kind of bouncing around? He was at he was at the body shop with or not the body shop, the uh the whatever Dillashaw's gym was called when it was him, Archuleta, Cub Swanson. They kind of had that pro fight team together where they like weren't part of a real gym. It was just kind of like them with coaches. Was um, it them and like Dwayne Ludwig? Yes, exactly. 
Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great move. I mean, for a young guy, um, you know, we're seeing this like Johnny Walker just moved up to go train with Faraz Ahabi. You see Kevin Lee going up to fight with Faraz Ahabi. I think that these young guys that have all the potential really just need a head coach that's done it before. I mean, Winkle John and Greg Jackson did it with John Jones. Faraz Ahabi did it with George St. Pierre. I think with these guys that have all the potential, you know, they just need someone that can put it all together. And yeah, that'd be interesting to see where he's at because he's been out since June of 19. So he's, you know, seven, eight months he's been on the shelf. Um, I'll be interested to see what, what he can do. I, I'm really glad they didn't throw him in that Grand Prix and kind of let him rebuild himself a little bit. Um, but yeah, that, that's a big deal because I mean, if he's back and we see like tremendous improvement, I, he's, he's got potential to be the face of Bellator still, even though he had a little rocky start to his career, didn't go the way he wanted, but he's still 23 years old. And yeah, he, he, it would be big for Bellator if he can get in there and get a big win. Um, your boy, Raymond Daniels is on this card too. You know I love my spinning shit, Parker. You know I can't get enough of it. In the wise words of Nick Diaz, we're doing spinning shit now? (laughs) I love it. Look, man, Uh, the guy's a kickboxing world champion. He hasn't lost since 2008, one and one in MMA. So he's finally made his MMA comeback after losing. He lost in strike force, Parker. That's how long ago. Um, But... I, in my opinion, outside of Masvidal, he was the KO of the year in 2019. And, I, you know, I'm just interested in watching this guy basically as a showcase just because it's it's honestly unbelievable watching the techniques that this guy attempts. So I'm just excited to see Raymond Daniels. And I don't care how long the fight lasts. I don't care who he fights. I just want to see him spin around and try and knock somebody out. Can we get him an MVP to fight? That would be awesome. I don't know that they're the same weight class. I think Raymond Daniels is too big for MVP. What does he fight? 185? I thought he was 185. Is he not? He might not. Oh, let me look don't it up. Don't quote me on that. I don't know, but that's another fun fight that everyone will abuse uh, Bellator for making. No, Raymond Daniels 30, 39 years old. Holy shit. Yeah, he's fun to watch. So, um, all right, let's roll through predictions for Bellator. I mean, this is a this is a great card for Bellator, especially with the last you know two cards that the UFC has put together. This is this is an awesome card for Bellator. So, let's run through it. Let's start up at the main event. Who do you got? I think Cyborg is actually going to use her wrestling and her jujitsu in this fight because I think Bud can actually match her on the feet. Um, okay. So I have Cyborg by submission in round four. Okay, it's title fight, five rounds. I'm going third round knockout, Cyborg. All right. All right. Next, what do we got? Cald- Caldwell Borex. <sighs> I think we're going to get a Borex knockout. I, there's something about Adam Borex. He's... I think he's a dark horse of this division. People keep kind of sleeping on him, and he's just been putting people to sleep. So I agree with what you said. I, I think we could get a Masvidal like finish, uh, flying knee, and that seems to be a special. The last two fights I've seen him knock people out by flying knee. I'm going to go Borex, uh, second round flying knee. 
I hope that happens. I'll be rooting for Adam Borix. I really like him. I agree with you that people are sleeping on him. But Darian Caldwell is so good at just laying on people and controlling them. And so right. I'm going to take Caldwell over Borix by unanimous decision. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Juan Archuleta, like I say, I, I think this is going to be a war. I think the first two rounds are going to be a war. You're going to get a late second round knockout, early third round knockout by Juan Archuleta, the Spaniard. I think he's just, like you said, I think his skills are just on another level. He's got that similar striking ability as TJ Dillashaw's got. Um, just weird, hard to you know track down, hard to figure out. I think it's going to be too much for Corrales. So I'm going to go knock out Juan Archuleta. I agree with you. I think late knockout for Archuleta. I think he figures out Corrales, starts to figure out where he can land some power shots, and then uh, and then he puts him away. Okay, Aaron Pico. I I think he's he's in a spot where he's got to come back and make a statement. I know it's still early in his career, but I think I hope that he's put it all together with with Jackson. And I'm going to go with an Aaron Pico knockout in the first round. Let's do it, man. Let's get this guy back on track. Yeah. You know, yep. loved watching him, you know, wrestle and, um, you know, a definitely, definitely a fan of Aaron Pico. So first round knockout, I'm on board. Yeah. Um, the two UFC guys, I agree with you. I think both of them are going to get wins. Sergio Pettis and Curtius uh, Millinder. So I could see... Pettis going to decision, getting a decision win, and I see Millinder getting a knockout. Um, you know, he's super athletic, making his move to Bellator. I think he's going to want to make a statement. So I'm going to go knockout with Millinder. And then we're on the same page with Ray- Raymond Daniels. We're going to get a some crazy spinning shit knockout, some sort of crazy highlight knockout. Look, fight fans, anybody listen to this right now, if you don't follow the Bellator Instagram on Saturday night, even if you don't watch the fights, you're doing yourself a disservice because I promise you Raymond Daniels is going to do something crazy. It's going to be all over social media, and we're all going to have fun watching it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Keep an eye on the Bellator Twitter. You're going to see something special out of him. Um, yeah, but overall for Bellator, I mean, this is a great fucking card. I'm, I'm pumped about this card. I didn't know the amount of fights on this card until I looked at it last week. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe all these fights are on one Bellator card. So, yeah, I'm pumped about that. Um, anything else on that card? Yeah, I think the the one thing that I took away from it, too, is like it's not just that it's a great card. But, you know, for the most part, it's it's a great card built out of guys that are Bellator homegrown fighters. So I think we're finally seeing Scott Coker's influence and seeing him start to actually develop some fighters um, for Bellator, which is, is really exciting to see because the more competition we could get in MMA, um, the better it is for fighters, which is what we're always rooting for. Well, then he's, he's made the three additions to the roster with Chris Cyborg. That's a huge sign for Bellator and then getting two young guys like Millinder and Sergio Pettis. Um, yeah, Scott Coker is doing good things over there at Bellator. And I mean, the, the thing with the Bellator versus UFC, I mean, the more competitive it can get, the better it's going to be for the fighters, the more money they're going to be able to command from the different organizations. So yeah, good stuff for Bellator. I'm really looking forward to that fight or that, that whole card in general. I'll probably watch that card start to finish. Um, do you want to do some current events? 
sure. Let's talk. Let's talk about the fight bookings, and then and then we'll call it a day. Okay. Um, fight bookings. Okay. Um, yeah, Woodley versus Edwards, Leon Edwards. That's an incredible fight. What are your thoughts on that? So we talked about this in December, actually. Um, yeah. I think it's episode 16, I want to say, we talked about this. Um, but, uh, you know, I thought this was the perfect fight. I thought, you know, both of these guys kind of need to win one more for me to get into that title picture. And they're perfectly suited for each other. And I want to see Tyron Woodley back in the cage. I want to see Leon Edwards finally get his London or UK main event. And so I think this is really a perfect fight. Um, I, I'm leaning Woodley initially. I, I just think the power is probably going to be too much for, for Leon. But, um, you know, definitely interested to watch this in March. Yeah, I mean, I saw Leon Edwards fight live in Austin um, against RDA last summer. And, and that guy is fucking good. He's good everywhere. He was able to just completely neutralize RDA, one of the best, one of the best strikers ever in the UFC. And, I mean, he's been on a roll. I think he's maybe second in most consecutive wins behind Usman and Tony Ferguson in the UFC. He's got, like, seven or eight wins in a row um, with his last loss being to Usman. So he's a guy, I mean, he's not super marketable, but the UFC, you know, landed him a, a main event spot in his home country. So I think that was smart to capitalize on that. Um for Tyron Woodley, I think there was initially some pushback about accepting the fight over there, you know, having to go fight in his backyard. But this is a big chance for Woodley. I mean, this is a tough guy, a guy that could have probably talked his way into a title fight if he was a little more marketable, a little more vocal. Um, but yeah, I mean, Woodley lost his title and I think he's still got a couple good years in him. So I'm, early, I'm going to be leaning towards Woodley, but I've seen Edwards fight, and, I mean, he's a complete fighter. He can do it all. So I, I don't know. I think that's a very, very, very close fight, and that's going to get things moving at 170. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's on the London card. I was hoping they could make – and we talked about this before. I, I think Rob Whitaker's out now with personal issues. Um, I was really hoping they could pull – Darren Till and Rob Whitaker together for a fight in London. Yeah, I uh, I think the rumors I'm hearing about Rob, you know, potentially donating his bone marrow to his daughter. I mean, you know, yeah. how can you not love a guy for doing that? Um, yeah. So I don't blame him. But uh, I agree. I think Darren Till versus Rob Whitaker is a great fight. It would be awesome in London. But I I love the Leon Edwards against Woodley fight. I I think that could be potentially a really great fight. So. Um, yeah. I'm not mad at that as a main event in London at all. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then we had Izzy versus Yoel Romero. This, outside of Tony Ferguson, Khabib, this is one of the fights I'm looking forward to most. I think this is going to be, I mean, the balls on Israel Adesanya to go. Who calls out Yoel Romero? Fucking nobody. Nobody wants to fight Yoel Romero. And Adesanya goes out and seeks out a fight with Romero and it's booked for March 7th, I believe. Yeah. That's going to be March yep. 7th back, back in Vegas. That's a fucking fight. That is a middleweight fight. 
you want to talk about clash of styles. I mean, like it's the fluid, skinny, tall striker against the stocky wrestler who's like built like a damn refrigerator. I mean, Yoel's muscles have muscles and Israel Adesanya looks like he doesn't eat. But like, I, I love this fight. Yeah. I don't just... think Yoel Romero's ever been in a boring fight. No, he's he's got that style where he can just knock you out out of nowhere. I mean, see Chris Weidman, Luke Rockhold, Machida. Um, yeah, that guy's scary. I, I, man, the balls on Israel Adesanya is trying to go down as the best fighter ever. I think he's he's not scared of anyone. He wants to fight the best. He wants to be the best. Yeah, that's that's a fight. That is a motherfucking fight. And then you've got uh, Weiling Zhang and Joanna is going to be the co-main event for that. That's a great fight, too. So you've got two titles coming to Vegas in March. Um, that's a great card. Shaping up to be a great card. Um, and then Darren Till apparently is stepping in against Jared Cannonier, which still a great fight. It's not Darren Till versus Rob Whitaker, but I'll take it. Um, Jared Cannonier has looked freaking unbelievable since he moved down from heavyweight then light heavyweight and he's looked great at middleweight and then I, I thought Darren Till looked amazing against Gastelum at middleweight so I, I think that's his true weight class and then I mean Cannoneers to me is kind of the dark horse of this division I've, I've heard you know Israel Adesanya say that he thinks Cannoneer is going to be the guy that emerges out of all of this um, so yeah that's booked. When when is that booked for? I think it's the same that same card. It's Izzy against Romero. I I, I think Cannoneer. I really like Cannoneer. Oh, that's great. They put that on that Hill. card. That's awesome. Wow, holy shit, Jared that's gonna be a Karen, great card. Jared Cannoneer is is one of the scariest guys at the in that division, in my opinion. Um well, it's like he still carries heavyweight power. And he's just absolutely shredded now. So it's just one of those guys like, you know, like the Roy Nelson. What would a Roy Nelson look like if he cut down from heavyweight to middleweight? You know, it, I, I don't know. I mean, when he dismantled Jack Hermanson, that was, I mean, pretty eye-opening. Because Jack Hermanson was a guy that was on his way to a title shot. And Jared Cannonier comes out of nowhere and just destroys him. So, yeah, that that's a... That's going to be a great card. I, w- I wonder where they I agree. Do they make that the co-main event, or you think Joanna versus Weiling Zhang is going to be the co-main event? No, it's going to be um, Joanna versus Zhang is going to be the uh, co-main, and then my guess is Till versus Cannoneer is either the very first fight on the pay-per-view to get people to tune in, or right. it's the uh, the the third fight on the on the card. Yeah. Well, good stuff. That's good. Um, yeah, a lot coming up. This is going to be a crazy year. Crazy year, man. Can't wait for it. All right, so we did an hour and 14 minutes. Let's wrap it up. So, um, yeah, big news. Obviously, Connor's back. This is going to be a tremendous year. So this is episode 21 we're on now. So we're rolling along. Um, we'll probably be back... We'll come back for the John Jones fight coming up. That's the first yeah. week of February. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, with all the craziness going around, we, we're not even talking about John Jones fighting in two weeks. I know, I know. We'll get to it, though. We'll look out for that episode. Um, you know, that second weekend of February um, is the John Jones fight. So uh, right. I, I think that's as good a time as any to come back. All right, well, let's do it. We'll jump back in here in a week or so. But episode 21, Parker's MMA Show. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. Please take a look at the show notes that are going to be down below in youtube the audio everything give us a like give us a subscription and we will keep the content rolling out any closing words billy subscribe rate and review people all 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 you can do to help us uh get get the show out there if, if you guys enjoy it and if you don't give us five stars and then just roast us in the review yeah and just fuck off please all right episode 21 signing out billy you're the man we'll catch you before john jones all right. Sounds good, Parker. Right. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeensMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.